Welcome, all of you survivors, to this Surviving Yourself podcast. I'm Sydney. And I'm Carrie. And today, we are surviving well-meaning meddlers. And I do have to make a little codicil here. Originally, the title was going to be Surviving Well-Meaning Morons, but we decided to be a little more graceful, to be a little kinder, and to use the word meddlers instead. And in that... I know that every single one of you just had an experience pop in your head. So today we're going to talk about a couple of our experiences, um, what that really means to us, what is not a well-meaning meddler, and really just dive into how we should approach these situations, especially because of autoimmune disease. People always want to tell you, this is how you should cure yourself, and have you taken this latest trend? Absolutely. Um, It's a mess. It's constant. I cannot tell you how often when I tell someone I have an autoimmune disease that their immediate comeback is, oh, well, you know, uh, my cousin Charlotte, she had autoimmune disease and she soaked her feet in apple cider vinegar for 20 minutes every night. And she's like amazing now, completely remission and a size two and has had three babies. So why don't you do that? I mean, it's constant. And I just need to say that there are more than 80 different kinds of autoimmune disease. 80 different kinds. And maybe the apple cider vinegar feet thing worked for Charlotte. Maybe it didn't, but maybe it did. But that doesn't necessarily mean that what works for one autoimmune disease is going to work for another because they are attacking our bodies in very, very different ways. So I definitely agree with that. I think um, everybody has so much access to the internet and to amazing information and there's so many bits and bobs and I for one am not someone to go 100% medical and trust all the doctors and pharmaceuticals but I'm also not a big fan of jumping in headfirst to unpeer-reviewed one-off instances that are gonna quote-unquote change my life um, because it's not sustainable and you could end up doing more damage however much like the apple cider vinegar on the feet I feel that a lot of people, now that I have been diagnosed with lupus, have wanted to give me information like, you know, you should be rubbing coconut oil on every part of your body that's inflamed, which I get. Coconut oil is amazing. It's a miracle thing. It is. But it's not going to kill the inflammation just because I'm putting it on topically. I've got to do more than that. So there's no quick fix, essentially. And people always want to tell you that there is and that you're doing something wrong because you're not looking for these quick fixes. But when you're in the the mix of it, when you're living with it, you come to realize that it's going to be a gradual, life-changing process that are the things that make you happy and feel good. And I just so often find that it comes off ignorant when people think that a one-off fix is going to help you. So I'm sure you've had those products that people have pushed on you. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. The list is longer than my arm. everything from like Kiani to Plexus to anything and everything in between. Shakeology. Shakeology. <laughs> and the thing, and it's, it, I almost cringe when, as because this has been my experience, and let me know if this has been yours, Sydney, because whenever I tell someone that I have an autoimmune disease that happens to peddle one of these things, and it may be amazing for them, and it may work for them, and they believe in it, and they're sincere, hence the name well-meaning meddlers. I think, but their eyes light up 
And sometimes I feel like it's almost like a cartoon and they just see dollar signs, ding, 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 exactly. in their eyes. I can see it in their face. They're almost excited that I have an autoimmune disease so that they can do their little spiel and tell me how this amazing thing is going to fix my body. And it's become almost comical. I, I can almost spot one of these salespersons immediately because I, how they react to me. And I just have to take a moment and breathe and just thank them, but also be very firm in the fact that, you know, it's just, I'm not interested. I'm just not interested because I could spend all of my money and all of my time chasing these cures that really are placebos. And the placebo right. effect is real. The placebo effect is strong. In medical science, they often say the placebo effect is stronger than the actual medicine that is, is on trial. So, Which I can actually kind of confirm that in the sense that, <clears throat> let's say your, your brain is an engine block or your body is an engine block. Pharmaceuticals are like dumping oil on top of the engine block, hoping it makes it into the hole. And that's, like, that's great. In some instances, that works. But... Oftentimes, when that's coupled with joy or a feeling of relief, that can be more beneficial. Because currently, pharmaceuticals don't pour oil into the engine hole. They just, it's all over the top. So we know from that scientific pharmaceutical perspective, they're, they're mildly effective. And there are instances where they do really good things. But placebo is incredibly important because it gives you hope. And I think hope yes. is way more important than people give it credit for. Yes. The placebo effect is real, y'all. So I think that a lot of people who try these different things and it works for them, these, you know, like, you, you know, but you become a member and you sell it yourself. I think that there's a very real factor to it, but I also think that there's also the placebo effect is strong. Plus, there's a lot of things in these products that are not good for people with autoimmune disorders. There's a lot Absolutely. of just byproducts, there's a lot of chemicals. And personally, I am not gonna pour fuel on this fire. I am already inflamed enough. I am not adding anything into my body that is gonna add to the inflammation because it is already a world of hurt. So I think that people mean well because they've read the paperwork and they think that this is the cure for autoimmune disease. There are over 80 different autoimmune diseases, y'all. If something could cure all of them, it would cost $1,000 a month. It would be on every news show across the world. It would be this amazing, amazing thing that everybody would know about. It wouldn't be this little secret that you have to find out from your friend who will send you a DM if you ask her to. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think another thing to think about in these formulations that they've made, all these different quick fixes, we're not just looking at the, the fillers and the byproducts and the other things that maybe shouldn't be in there, but like how many people that are pushing these things on Facebook or Instagram or wherever really know where those products are sourced. So I don't want to use any particular ones by name. However, I'm, I'm into mushrooms. Like, I love the science of mushrooms. My goal is mycology. I think that they're incredibly healing and beneficial Let's, in regimen. We should point out that you are not into magical mushrooms. Correct. I'm not into magical mushrooms. I'm into medicinal mushrooms. <laughs> Let's get that straight. <laughs> Absolutely. So 
I think that it's important to have those in regiment with other things. I don't think it's a one size fits all, but I do believe that mushrooms are very beneficial. And a lot of these companies, when people know that I am into medicinal mushrooms and I have an autoimmune disease, they'll come to me and say, hey, I have this product of mushrooms in it. It's great. You know, it'll do this, that, and the third. And then you ask them where their mushrooms are sourced and they can't tell you. Come to find out. 90% of the time they're from China. And that's more of a detriment to the body of someone with autoimmune disease to have a Chinese mushroom that's high in toxic metals than it is a benefit for all the other things that are in there that could be doing amazing work for your body. So we're not saying that these things are bad across the board, but in the case of autoimmune disease where things are already inflamed and things are shutting down and your body's attacking itself, you've got to be really careful with the sourcing of your products. So just be cautious with those one-off miracle fixes because they're they're well-meaning and that's why they're here in this conversation but they're not always good for you and it's okay to say no this is not something I'm interested in obviously do it with love I wouldn't you know punch somebody in the face for offering you some shakeology or something yeah, I mean you but... know it depends on how many times they've offered it because that's true. if I've said no eight times I mean I'm just saying I might be having a bad day but you I know mean, the good news in Texas you can carry guns so well, you know <laughs> I'm just saying. We don't we don't have to even bring that out. We could just act like it never happened with a purse. Not that sure. I do, y'all. Not that I'm saying I do. Don't go stealing my purse thinking you're gonna get a gun. I'm just saying you never know in Texas. But yes, this brings me like to another point that I think people who are well meaning meddlers do not realize what they are doing. But when they come to you and they tell you something along the lines of, well, don't you know if you just do this, then everything is going to be amazing and your body's going to be great. Da, da, da. They are blaming you for your disease. Right. They are telling you if you just did X, Y, or Z, if you just slather yourself with coconut oil and then stand in some apple cider vinegar, then you would be fine. I don't know why you're complaining. Just do this and you're going to be fine. Well, that. Sally said you have to do that on your head. So maybe that's where the disconnect is. Okay, I'm not doing anything that takes the blue out of this hair. I pay good <laughs> money for this. I don't get my nails done. I don't get, I don't get lash implants. But this blue, no, no. Nothing <laughs> that is taking the blue out is happening. So the, uh, the apple cider vinegar on the head, no thank you. Uh-uh. <laughs> but, yes, the thing is you come in and you have good intentions towards a person and you're like, you want to tell them something that's going to fix them, but really what you're saying is this is your fault because you haven't done this before. And I take it from a girl who has done, does a lot to um, alleviate her symptoms, to, to lower her inflammation, to try to live pain-free. It's very offensive as it to me because it's like you're saying I don't care enough to be better I don't care enough to do what it takes guys I've given up carbs y'all not just gluten I've given up gluten yes but then I had to give up carbs y'all okay because you can you can live gluten-free and still have all the carbs you want I have to eat low carb I literally freeze myself three minutes every day in a cryo chamber to try to reduce my inflammation I eat certain things I can't eat certain things I drink certain things I am doing what I can do to lower my inflammation and you're coming at me with this in a well-meaning way actually is kind of offensive at times because 
I'm doing all I can do. And it's, my illness is in God's hands. And when you blame me for it, you know, I might clap back at you. I might. I might not. I might pray before I speak. But if I'm having a really bad day, it's, it's possible. Yeah. I, I mean, it really is. It's super offensive. And I don't think it's just in this context we've been talking about, you know, those one-off miracle fixes, but it's also the pharmaceutical side as well. I mean, people push all the time in my life because I work in a very scientific tech industry. They push in my life for me to be on pharmaceutical drugs. And I'm doing a lot of things to try and heal from the inside out. I don't want to dump crazy on that. And pharmaceutical drugs are like dumping oil on the engine block. I don't want to do that. And yet, they're coming to me and insulting my intelligence on what I'm trying to do with my body and how I feel I am being led to heal my body and basically saying I'm dumb, get on drugs. So it's super offensive. Don't do and drugs, I, kids. Don't. don't do drugs. I mean, clearly, if you need high blood pressure medicine to survive, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying, don't do drugs. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's rough because you, on one hand, you want to validate that they know something. They've, they've done their research. They feel passionately. You don't want to squander that in anybody. You want them to be able to continue educating themselves. But the answer doesn't belong to anybody. Nobody has the answer or autoimmune disease wouldn't exist. So, And any disease wouldn't exist if we had the answers. So I think not only just giving them some space and saying, okay, thank you for your input, having grace with them is super important but maybe also be cautious of being that person because I have many a time caught myself being that person. I do a lot of research on holistic medicine and herbs and oils and mushrooms and I'm very much into what does the earth want to tell us. And sometimes I find myself in a conversation and I have to apologize. Hey, I did not mean to come at you and make you feel any less than you already you know, are feeling or dampen the situation. I just wanted to share my information with you. Take it for what you will. So just be cautious of being that well-meaning meddler as well because we we can go there quick. Absolutely. We all have that capability. We, we all do it. I'm not saying I'm above. But, you know, the, the Bible tells us that even the fool is considered wise when he holds his tongue. And we have to take into account that, like, let's take going gluten-free, for example. It is a medical fact that if you have autoimmune disease, you should be gluten-free due to the inflammation factor XYZ. There's a million reasons. It's proven medically. Uh, there are people I know who uh, have been told to go gluten-free. They don't. There are people who sh don't even know that going gluten-free might help or benefit them. However, I cannot just beat them over the head with the bat of gluten-free living. I can't do that. I have to hold my tongue and wait for the Holy Spirit to guide me to the right moment. Because if you're not ready for it, if you're not going to be receptive to it, then I am flapping my gums in vain. So I think just being sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit in these moments and genuinely, because I, I know what it's like, I care about some of these people and I want them to experience these benefits. But if they are not ready to, my nagging them isn't going to get them to do it. Right. And I can attest to that because I am a smoker, mm -hmm. which <laughs> I know a lot of you probably just cringe like, oh, what? I you cringe. have autoimmune disease? <laughs> I cringe every day thinking about it. 
Yeah, and a lot of people do, and I completely understand why because it's horrible and I have an autoimmune disease I'm fighting and I know that it is the worst possible thing for me. I don't justify that it's it's not as bad as you think or science, what? No, I have an addiction. I am learning to overcome the spiritual element of that as well as the physical element of that and I'm just not there yet. But in that, I hear it all the time from everyone and I'm just not there yet. I'm just not. So. I can attest to that from that perspective that when you aren't there, it is someone just flapping their gums and, and you appreciate that they care enough about you to take the time to tell you. But it's not like you haven't heard it a million and one times, so you already know. Oh, you know. Uh, oh, you know what this, uh, you know what I'm thinking right now, Sydney. You know what is coming to mind. Okay. Y- y'all need to know that I have known Sydney since she was a zygote. I have been in her life forever. I am called her Aunt Carrie, even though I'm not her aunt by blood. So... Back in the day, when um, Sydney and her oldest sister and my oldest son were all little, her mom and I were fundamental, independent Baptists. Now, we are still followers of Christ. I go to a great church that preaches the fundamentals. However, there's a big difference between sticking to the fundamentals and being a fundamental, independent Baptist. Okay, if you've seen my picture on the blog, I have blue hair, as previously mentioned, and lots of tattoos. There was a long period of my life that I did not wear pants, only skirts, very judgy, didn't own a TV, and we were righteous in our own eyes, and we were the most judgmental people on the planet, but we didn't think that we were. So just that was just a little set the backdrop of the story. So one day, Sydney and her oldest sister and her mom, and they're in Walmart, and the man in front of them lays his items on the on the conveyor belt, and Sydney is aghast. She is literally like, <gasps> and her mom looks at her and says, "What is this, Sydney? What's wrong?" And she goes, "Mom, that man is buying cigarettes and fish. Like <laughs> the fact that he was getting fish too, and he was somehow corrupting these fish was the biggest thing there." It was so funny to me because, you know, let's just put this out there. Fish don't get secondhand smoke. It's just, <laughs> they don't breathe air. So that wasn't, really, but she was aghast at the fact that this man was buying cigarettes and some poor fish at the same time. So even way back in the day, Sydney was maybe a not so well-meaning medlo. Maybe you were kind of a judgy medlo back then. But that was just how you were being raised at the time. Again, yeah, in my defense, that I was being raised that way, and I've thought about the fish several times and and why that would have come to mind, and the only thing I can think is from a very young age. I mean, I went, like, vegetarian at nine, guys, and since then, I've changed my diet a million times, but from a very young age, I remember being, like, three and thinking, why do people squash bugs, like, every life is valuable? Why is this a thing? I don't even know. I can't justify it. That's all I can think, y'all. <laughs> but I was so judgy. And I was like, how old was I? Two or three? You were four? Three, two to three. You were not yeah. any older than, than three at the time. And it was so funny. And y'all have to picture, she had piggy tails and her beautiful brown hair. And she was wearing her little, like, dress that looks like it came out of Little House on the Prairie. Because that's who we are, y'all. We were practically Amish. We just had zippers. But <laughs> this is the way we were living our life at the time. And clearly, we have worked some grace out in our lives, and 
movie before, but that is one of my favorite memories of her. And so when she brought that up, I was like, oh yeah, you were a, you were a meddler at the time too. I was, and as a child, I like vividly remember like talking to people about smoking. Like, why do you do that? That that's awful. Because my dad was a smoker, and I just thought it was gross and it smelled awful. And here I am dealing with the addiction, you know, in my adult life, but it drove me crazy as a kid. And I would talk to people about it so judgy and so blatant as a child. And then now as an adult, for instance, a couple of weeks ago, I was at Home Depot and I don't smoke in the car with my kids. So they were in the car sleeping and I had to go in, but I hopped out of the car really quickly and the AC's blowing on them and I'm outside and I'm smoking a cigarette. And this random guy walks up and he's like, you know, that'll kill you, don't you? And I was like, no, had no idea at all. I am 100% enlightened at this moment. This is the moment. Out of all my years of smoking, this is the moment. Like, it just blew my mind that some random stranger would walk up. And then I'm reminded I was that, like, crazy little meddler as a child that I would just walk up to people smoking. That's awful. You're hurting the environment. <laughs> like, I didn't even care about them at that point. It was just the environment. But now, it's just such a wild transition to be able to see and to also, again, know that if they're not ready to hear it, it's not going to be heard. So, I mean, the Bible tells us don't cast pearls before swine. I mean, there's exactly. just, there really isn't a point. And I think this is the perfect time to start talking about the well-meaning meddlers that interfere with your parenting, since we're oh. kind of in the range of kids and all that. I, I think these are the people who drive me the craziest, and I'm going to tell you why. All of my children were born into a Christian home. They have a godly mother. My, uh, I said before in our marriage podcast, my first husband was not um, saved. Um, and then while they were still young, we I was remarried to a Christian man. My children were brought up in church. My children know the Lord. My children have bought up, been brought up with rules and boundaries. And yet still, in particular, one of my children is an unmitigated butthead. And that is the nicest way I could put it. He has been angry since he was born. He was the angriest baby I've ever seen in my life. He was an angry child, and he is now an angry adult. And so there were has been many a time where, because you can make a rule and you can set a boundary, but if your child does not care about you or himself, then he's going to step right over that boundary and do what he wants to do. And it doesn't matter that you, this is the boundary, that this is the rule. If your child doesn't really care, he's going to do what he wants to do. And it, that has absolutely nothing to do with parenting because my children have been parenting the same. Back when the fundamental days weren't a skirt, I did growing kids God's way. I know all about that, like teaching the child to repent, confess, whooping his butt, all of this. It doesn't make a difference when your child has this strong rebellious spirit and I know that Sydney can speak to this because her older sister Megan is exactly the same way so absolutely she's if not worse she's mellowed out in her adult years but ooh, she was rough rough growing up as a child and people I've said I saw it with um Sydney's mother Jonna and with Megan and then when I had Nathan I would see it and people would literally be like well you know the Bible tells us if we raise them up in the way shall they go, when they, the way they should go, when then they are old, they will not depart from it. I'm like, yeah, but he ain't old yet. He, I'm getting old. 
dealing with his crap, but he ain't old yet. I am doing, I'm praying over him. I'm fasting. I am doing everything I could do to pour into this child. And this child is angry and struggling. And I love him. And nobody seems to have grace for that. Not for him and not for you and the situation. And I think that a lot of times parents get really hung up and don't realize, hey, this mom is struggling with a strong-willed child. Maybe she just needs prayer support. Or maybe she needs someone to make her dinner one night because this kid's wearing her out. I think we just so often lose our grace with people because we think that their kid is not the way it should be. Right. And clearly, you're not doing something right if this child is rebellious. But let me tell you something. When you were a kid, you were a sinner too. You, there was a moment where you were a sinner, and that was the moment you were born. You were a kid, you were a sinner. You sinned as a child. When you accepted the Lord, maybe things became different, and maybe you were able to you know, live a, a mostly righteous life since then. But sin is born in the heart of everyone. And so... Absolutely. So my child, being this wretched little sinner, is no different than your children either. But his is just more out loud, and it's more real. And this is an area that is just so tender and so hard with people. Because I see people in the church who have these amazing, compliant, God-loving kids. And they're great. And these people are great and they stand up in front of the church and they teach people how to parent and and that's wonderful but if you get one who just is a little more fiery than all the rest and is more rebellious than all the rest and is oh, strong willed child it's not the same techniques the same Things that you used on your other children who are compliant and God-loving and God-fearing and amazing, they're not going to work on this child. Just like not everything works on everybody with autoimmune disease, not one-size-fits-all parenting is going to work for every child. I think we often forget that, and just as a society, we kind of expect everyone to be the same. And then there are those outliers, the ones that are just different and need to be treated differently. Because we're all unique and all have different works and polls and I just think that the well-meaning mother and this form of parenting can just be so detrimental to the spirit of a mother which is one of my my heart's biggest sadnesses is that moms feel this need to scold each other and I totally understand mentoring younger mothers I appreciate the good mentors in my life who give me good parenting advice and sound wisdom I love it but then those people who just want me to do things the way that they do things because they think it's quote-unquote right, it is so offensive and hurtful to my spirit. It just hurts. So I fortunately do not have a strong-willed child in that sense. I don't have an angry child. I do have a wild one. <laughs> but my children... You do have a brother. Let's be real. That's true. My brother is a mess and a half. And that's the truth. And was parented very similar to how everyone else was but the dynamic was just different because it, he was a boy and we were girls and the whole situation is that he needed grace my mom needed grace and anybody telling her differently was crushing her spirit and I think that that's so detrimental but in my life I'm I'm not an anti-vaxxer but I choose not to vaccinate my children 
I'm not going to go advocate and rally at the Capitol. I just don't want that for them. So I hear all the time, especially, as I said, those people who are totally pharmaceutically based in my life, that I'm a bad mom because I choose not to vaccinate. And that's crushing. That's a crushing message to hear from anybody, but then for society to reinforce that instead of coming alongside you and encouraging you and hearing your perspective and your concerns and, and validating the good things that you're doing, we're just so quick to jump in someone's life and tell them how they're screwing it all up. And I just am beyond exhausted of it. I think most moms are, you know, whether you're a breastfeeding mom or a formula mom or a barefoot in the dirt or you have to have socks and shoes on mom or let your kids sleep in the car seat or don't. I mean, whatever the situation is, I think the only baseline that we can agree on is don't leave your kids in the car alone and go in this door. I think that's the only baseline moms Absolutely. can agree on. And in that, let that be. Don't shove your opinions down any mother's throat in a way that will crush their spirit. If they're doing something that you know is dangerous, that will put their child's life in danger or lead them down the path of crazy, awful, terrible things, then yes, gently, appropriately share your wisdom, but let them know that you're just sharing your wisdom. Don't say, you're screwing up. Here's why you're screwing up. Here's how you're screwing up. And here's what you need to do to fix it because that's not going to be received. That's going to be hurtful. They're going to shut it down and they're probably going to be further down the path into the detriment of the child or their situation. So be cautious how you're talking to moms because this may be the biggest war I've ever seen in a society is the mom on mom war and it kills me. It kills me. Yes. Yeah. People are really unkind and I understand that these are issues that people feel passionately about, just for the record, before you people start writing in, I'm not a vaxxer either. This is the choice I've made for my children. And you can write in all you want, but just save your time. Save the effort. We have researched it. We know what we're doing. Our children are healthy. And we are not injuring the whole herd immunity situation. So just don't send that email. You can write it, but then delete it. It would be cathartic for you, but then we don't have to deal with your crisis. Uh, for the record, I homeschool, so my children who are not vaccinated, they're not touching your children who are vaccinated, so we're good. But I think that in this area, we do need to bring in the fact that the, that the Bible does teach us that, you know, the older women are to instruct the younger and to, you know, to help them through life. And, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs 19, 20, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. So the Bible does speak about accepting advice and accepting godly advice, but this part that, that you may gain wisdom in the future. I think there's a very big difference in sharing wisdom with someone that comes from above and sharing your opinion. I think these are two very different things. And so I, we are not at all speaking to the fact that, that you should not speak into another woman's life because we're all called to. Um, but I think that we are to speak wisdom into their lives and not push our agenda on them, which doesn't honestly accomplish much. If a person is not leaning one way or the other, you're berating them about this, that, or the third is not really going to change it because people are so entrenched in their own thoughts, their own ideas, their own beliefs. Yep. And 
I think that's a good segue into the next section that I'd kind of like to cover, which is what is not a well-meaning meddler? And I think a really good place to start with that is politics. Ugh. So we don't we don't need to get into what our political we're, views we're are. We're not. No. We'll either not. gain 8 but, million followers or lose 20,000 million, 1100 billion. <laughs> One or the exactly. other. It, we ain't, we're not entering that fray. We're not, but I do want to talk about how we treat people politically, and it just, it, it's one of these things that breaks my heart on the daily, because I work in an office that's very divided. We have a very, very democratic group, and a very, very Republican group, and it's almost like the lunchroom in high school that's completely separate. You don't talk to those <laughs> kids, you don't talk to these kids. It's pathetically high school. And which one is the cool kid table? Which one? The independent table I'm sitting at. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Sid. Well so, no, I, I eat lunch alone, to be honest, because I enjoy the quiet time. <laughs> so I don't know which side's the cool kid table. I love them all for who they are and what they believe. Um, but I really, like, during election season, just to witness in my small atmosphere how well-meaning these people were about the points that they feel passionately about, those those really big bullets, and how incredibly awful they were to each other, cramming their ideas and their thoughts and their wants down the throats of other people around them. It drove me crazy. I mean, there were several days where there would be political conflict going on in different areas of my life, and I would just go home and cry because I was like, this is the craziest thing that we are tearing each other down over nothing like like made up concepts that we all want to have a good life we all want to live well we just have different versions of what that means why can't we come to some equal ground instead of tearing each other down in the process of trying to be right it just drives me crazy so whether it's you being talked to or you talking to somebody when you are attacking someone on their political beliefs or someone is attacking you, that is not a well-meaning meddler. That is someone trying to dominate your thoughts, beliefs, and opinions, and that's not acceptable. That's a form of abuse. So be cautious where you stand. And I understand there are some really good debates to be had and open times and, and formats for that to be had. Sitting in a, in a break room, drinking a cup of coffee, seeing someone wearing a Republican pin does not give you the right to have that debate right then and there. That's an attack. That's not at all well-meaning. So Absolutely. And there's research. There's so much research. Just look it up. Um, I read an article in the Washington Post recently that debates do not really have any effect whatsoever on polling data. They poll people before the, de the debates, the political debates, and then they poll people after the political debates. And what they found is people are more firmly entrenched in what they believe after the debates than they were before. The debates aren't changing anyone's mind. So if your desire is to genuinely come in and try to change this person's mind, the odds of that happening are extremely slim. So all you're doing is sowing seeds of strife and just causing problems later on down the road. I do have to say that I struggled with the election and I struggled with what's happened since and I struggled deeply with 
people that I've loved who voted one particular way or another. And it was a real awakening to me on how I saw them. Like, I saw them differently based on the way they were voting. And that was wrong. That I had to repent of that and really seek the Lord's face about this because it was deeply wrong of me to feel that way. Um, since, you know, it's been a while, we've all had time to deal with it. And I, of course, am able to be much more gracious and loving and try to be more understanding of what is happening in our government. But what I know that I am doing is I'm giving more grace to people who choose to vote however they vote. So, whereas I kept my opinion to myself for the most part, in my brain, in my heart, in my mind, I was not, I was not kind. So, I have to really work on that and not becoming a meddler in that sense of just keeping my opinions to myself. Right. I think that's, <clears throat> that's all we really can do is strive to just put everything in check within ourselves. If we're keeping everything in check in our heart, whether people come at us with their opinions and they're crazy, as long as we know that we're in check and we're not spewing things on people or projecting on people or, or being unkind to people because of something we're perceiving, I think that that's the best we can do. That's the absolute best we can do is just to love them in spite of it all. Yes, we're called to love. We are absolutely called to love in spite of everything. So politically speaking, just save your breath. <laughs> and maybe that's the whole point of this meddler thing is save your breath. <laughs> they're, they're more precious used elsewhere. It just, you know, that it, it is so important to have like-minded people in your life. It is very important to have people that edify you and that you can speak to and that will, if you're wrong, they'll tell you you're wrong and, and they'll encourage you if you're going down the right path. And it's very, very important to have someone in your life that you can vent all of this to and can discuss it with without having an agenda to try to change their mind. So I encourage you, if this is something that you find yourself doing and it would be very hard to stop, find a like-minded friend, a co-worker, a neighbor, and just use them as your sounding board for these things because you will just encourage one another in your beliefs and you won't be necessarily berating someone who's not interested and annoying your coworker, neighbor, or boss. Something else I would recommend, which I know that a lot of people won't do because there are time constraints on this kind of thing. It takes takes a good chunk of time. Something I like to do when a new idea or an opposing opinion has come into my life, I like to sit down and do enough research that I could write a 3,500-word essay. If I, she actually does this, y'all. Yeah. She actually does this all the time. I do. Because if I can't write 3,500 words about why I support what I'm supporting, I don't know enough to support it. And this goes back to one of my favorite, my favorite quotes, is if you don't know your options, you don't have any. And that's the absolute truth of any situation, whether it's parenting, politics, money. You don't know your options, you don't have any. So how do we overcome that? Education. And if I can't educate myself enough to be able to write a 3,500-word essay, then I don't know enough to make an informed decision, and I'm just being biased. So if you are in that situation where you want to change someone's mind or you feel passionately about a subject, do 
research on both sides. Don't just do research to support your opinion. Do research on both sides of the argument to where you can write yourself a 3,500-word essay or more if you're inclined. Nobody's going to be inclined. Then, no. Maybe not. Maybe I'm just really weird in that okay, way. Okay, <laughs> guys, uh, write in. Is she weird? Because my vote is yes. But she actually does this, so who am I to judge? I do, and I think it really helps me find really firm balance and it's why I choose to be independent because I don't believe that you could have enough options with two I just don't and that's that's where I stand but I it really has impacted my life greatly and has grown me in a lot of different subjects so I encourage you that if, if you're feeling super super dead set you want to get a point across you, you know you're right challenge yourself are you really right or are you really biased because I have been guilty of being biased many, many a time. And when I come out of that 3,500-word essay, my opinion might be different. My heart might be a little softer. My mind is more educated. So just maybe if, if you're so inclined, give it a try. Sydney Method. And if you do the Sydney Method, please do not email it to the surviving yourself email. You know, send that to Sydney personally. I, I, would I encourage it. you I all to just send that straight on to Sydney and she will love that and enjoy that. And then I don't have to worry about it. Just saying. And if you do send me your essays, it doesn't have to be 3,500 words. If you feel like you can do it in less, I just think 3,500 is a lot of talking points. But if you send me an essay, not only will I proofread it, I will also check it against my favorite resources and, and people that I've have grown to trust their knowledge and education. I will go to the library and get books about it, do my own research on your topics, and we will have a great discussion about your essay. So oh. that is a complete derail. She but so I will, will do this. Love it. She loves this. <laughs> Some of us do not love this, or, you know, this is not our thing. So, you know, that's great. To each his own. To each his own. So, another point. I wanted to talk about when it comes to this well-meaning meddler series which teach their own. This one's really hard for me because I am borderline feminist and oftentimes I will be in a situation where I'm talking to someone and some man will just make an objective comment about me. So for instance, a couple days ago I was at a gas station that I go to frequently and I was talking to the woman behind the counter about maybe cutting my hair. and. She had just gotten her hair done, so we were in discussion. And this man behind me, who I'd never met before in my life, he goes, baby, don't cut your hair. You're so much more attractive with long hair. As if he had any right to jump into my conversation or meddle in my life or make a decision for me. But it was just so objectifying. Like, I, I was an object. I needed to remain pretty for somebody else. This is not well-meaning meddling. This is abuse. Just like the political situation, it's not acceptable. If you are invited into the conversation and you want to give an opinion yes, or a fact, if you're invited. do it. Don't jump in where you're not invited. It's really offensive. And this, this can go both ways, both genders, but I often find in my life as a woman, typically comes from men. So men, if you are listening, be cautious. Be cautious of not doing this to women because it is really really detrimental to their self-esteem and it's really invasive into their privacy so just be very cautious of what you're saying 
Absolutely. And I think that, well, first of all, Sydney, I don't know, again, go to our blog, look at Sydney's face. She's stunning. She would look gorgeous, bald-headed. I'm not saying you would, but I'm just saying you could. But, yes, when you're not invited in to give an opinion on someone's appearance, it is purely objectifying them. And, you know, women would never do that to men. First of all, two guys rarely sit around going, you know, I'm thinking about cutting my hair. Where a woman could jump in there. But you never see a woman going up to a man going, you know what, sweetie? You'd look so much better if you trimmed up your beard and let your hair grow out a little. I have to disagree. I've, I've encountered this a couple of times when it came to, like, glasses or haircut where they, a woman would walk up to a man and say, you should get contacts. Your eyes are so pretty. You should let them show. But just make sure you pluck your eyebrows. Or you would look really good with highlights in your hair. Like, those kind of comments are so awful for the self-esteem of any human being when you're not invited to share them. So I have seen women do it. I do see men more frequently do it. Um, so I just want to reserve that tiny little spot for those women who do it. Don't do it. See, and I think that... In her case, she probably thought she was flirting, but that did did not come across probably in a flirty, I'm into you way. It probably came across as very negative. But especially when it comes to appearance, because appearance is so personal. And again, guys, I have blue hair. I have visible tattoos. So I'm used to people giving me a little side eye. I'm used to people talking about me as I walk by. I, and, and really, I'm fine with it because if I wasn't fine with it, I wouldn't have blue hair visible tattoos. I'm aware that I'm, I kind of am going to stir up some opinions amongst the people. But I want to state for the record, that does not mean that my hair or my tattoos is cause for people to put their opinions on me or to be negative to me or to harass me in any way, shape, or form. I'm not inviting it. I'm aware that it happens, but keep it to yourself. And for the most part, people do. But just keep it to yourself because while my blue hair and my tattoos may invite glances, they do not invite your comments. They do not invite your assumptions about my sexuality, which happens often. They do not invite any of that. I cannot tell you how many times people have treated me a certain way thinking that I was gay. And then when they discover that I'm married to a man with four sons and two grandchildren, they their total demeanor, their tone of voice, everything will change towards me. And I'm like, mm-mm. If you can't show me love and be kind to me when you thought I was a lesbian, I don't really need you right now. Like, Let's just keep it moving. And so that is not being a well-meaning meddler. That is abusive and unkind. Yep. And I think that I'm realizing more as we're getting deeper into the subject, which, of course, we just want to make sure that everyone knows our, our, our heart is to share our experiences that we've had and how it made us feel and then help you and encourage you to to explore where your heart's at on the subject. But I think more and more of what I'm coming to on this topic now that we're in it is we are called to be kind and love and, and be light and salt. And we can't do that if we're meddling in other people's lives. Absolutely. So 
But that really be introspective. Yes, but that brings me to a point where we are called to be well-meaning members. If you are a child of God, you are called to share the gospel with others. Now, I, okay, again, we're going to go back to these fundamentalist days. Imagine me, long brown hair, skirt to my feet, every Thursday, knocking on people's doors and saying to them, excuse me, sir or ma'am, if you were to die tonight, do you know for 100% sure you'd go to heaven? I'm not kidding. Every Thursday, knocking on doors for hours. This is what I did because I felt... The, the, I took the Great Commission very seriously, and I am to go and to speak and to. This is not what I'm talking about now. If you feel led by the Spirit to, if someone, if strike up a conversation with someone, show an interest in someone, and then bring it around to the gospel, that's the way to do it. But I, just in my personal opinion, cold knocking on doors gets you very few results and a lot of threats. Just putting that out there, but. In this one instance, we are all called as followers of Christ to be well-meaning meddlers. And I think that while we may look at a situation and see a person struggle and our inclination may to be may be to give them advice about whatever their struggle may be when they really need the Lord. So I think that it's important to get to know people, to genuinely show care and concern for them. But when that time comes... And when there is an opportunity and, and a prompting by the Holy Spirit, I think we are. it is so important that we do not neglect the call to share the gospel with people, given the opportunity. Again, and I'm not saying shove it down people's throats. I'm not, we've said shoving down people's throats way too many times on the podcast. I think that needs to be some sort of like drinking game for those of you who may drink or like um, if you're me. Um, I could have like an almond every time we said that. <laughs> but, I'm going to up for chocolate. There we go. Chocolate. Let's, Eat a piece of chocolate every time we said that. And let, let us know how many Rewind it, it and you'll get, you'll get chocolate wasted by the end of the podcast. <laughs> I think in tone with your, your note there, though, we are also called to have good fruit. Like we're, we to have a good tree, we will have good fruit. They will know us by our fruit. So in being cautious with your words and in not shoving things down people's throats. Chocolate! You <laughs> you are opening that door in ways that you might not realize you are because people are drawn to those who have the Holy Spirit in their lives and around them. And I recently had a conversation with somebody I never thought about it. I just live my life according to scriptures and the way that I, I believe to be accurate. And of course, I'm a failure much of the time because we're all black hard centers. And all of us. We all have a flaws. All of it. Even you. So, you over there, if they pin you're not. Yeah. You are. Don't. It, you just ate two pieces you, of chocolate on uh -huh. the house one. You know, I'm just you know saying. Not see. <laughs> so he was at my house. He's a friend of my husband. And basically said to me, you know, I, sometimes I don't want to go out of the house. I don't want to go do things. And when you guys like invite us over, him and a few other friends of my husband, sometimes he just wants to sit at his house and drink by himself or whatever and sit on video games. And it's, he puts it, be a nerd. And he says that every time 
that he says yes. And he just gets out of his own mind and says yes. He comes over. He just re-remembers the love and the warmth and the smells and the experience of being in our household, which to me is nothing new. It's just the way I live my life. But he pinpointed it for the first time in eight years of knowing this this man. He said, I think it's the God in your home. Like, I walk in and everything's different than the world around me. I never realized what it was until I did. And I think it's it's God. I think think you've got it right. Which was, of course, incredibly edifying and, and confirming for me. Like, okay, something's doing good here. But I never preached down his throat. I never held him down and beat him upside the head with the Bible. I just invited him in my home. What? You didn't? That's it. We're going to talk about it. She's going to be under church discipline <laughs> later, guys. So don't worry. I'm going to take care of it. Don't worry. So... It's encouraging to hear that even without that that Bible beating, I'm able to reach out to people by just loving the Lord with all my heart and having the best fruit that I can have. That is going to open so many doors and opportunities for you to talk to people and witness to them and have the gospel conversations without meddling in their lives and opening doors that are closed intentionally. Right. Love is not meddling. Love is not meddling. And meddling is not love. Let's Let's... Make it both ways. But when you're showing someone the love of Christ, that's not meddling. That is fulfilling the Great Commission. That is doing what we are all called to do. So <clears throat> I think that's so great that he recognized that and that you were able to have that kind of confirmation. I think that's really wonderful. It was a very sweet moment. I think I'll, it'll stay with me forever. And I just kind of, before we close, I just wanted to share one more piece of scripture with you. Proverbs 14, 7 says, leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not need words of knowledge. And I want to look at that from both ways. Leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not need the words of knowledge. Okay, I think our tendency would be like, "Mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Savannah's a fool. I'm not going to be in her presence. I was going to say, you already picked out a fool. I, Everyone who heard that just picked I, somebody you out. did. And I purposefully had to come up with a name of somebody that I don't know. So Savannah out there, I don't know you. I'm not picking you personally. But all of us in our heads probably went, mm-hmm, you know who. They're a fool. I'm going to leave their presence. But what I want to talk about is not being that fool. Let's Amen. make sure Amen. that for the people that we speak to, that they are getting words of wisdom, that they are retaining, going to get knowledge from us. You don't need a 3,500 word essay. I'm just saying, but that, let's make sure that we are not that fool where when people leave our presence, they do not feel that they met words of knowledge. So if it's just our opinion, if we're just, just kind of sharing on the fly, Let's not do that. Let's encourage them. Let's pray, do something crazy and pray for them. Let's support them. And then let's honestly and truly pray for wisdom and how to respond. Because we're promised that if we pray for wisdom and trusting that God's going to give to it to us, he will give it to all of us. So let's just purpose in our hearts as we Try to end this podcast and you go forth in your day and maybe finish that bar of chocolate that you started, but you've probably gone through two and a half at this point, that you will not be that fool. Amen. Amen. So one last comment from me. I want to hear some feedback. If I 
post some of my 3,500 word essays that I've written on various topics, would you guys read them? Because I've got a lot of information from various sources and different sides. So if that's an interest, we will start a new portion of the blog that highlights those topics of study. If you're Sydney will. Sydney. Yes, yes, that will no, be my segment. That will be, Sydney will be in charge of that. And, um, and, and, and I'm just going to give you my answer, uh, no. <laughs> I, I love you. I, you're, you're one of my favorite people on the planet. But my answer to that question is no. But how about you guys out there? What do you think? And we would just love some feedback in general. Leave us a comment. Shoot us an email. We would just really love to know what you're thinking, what you think of us, even if you think we're crazy, which I know I am. Um, I we all are. Uh, we're all a little bit crazy. But that's the, my entire life. It's a, a little bit of Jesus and a whole lot of crazy. That's just who I am. It Mine's should be a whole lot of Jesus topic. and a little bit of crazy. But there are days where I don't get it in control. Yes, Sydney's is a little bit of Jesus and a whole lot of and a little bit crazy. And, you know, let's just And a little honest. bit of corporate America. That's a whole other story, <laughs> so we're just going to call that what it is. We're just going to leave that where we... <laughs> but we would love to hear from you guys. Leave us a comment on the blog. Shoot us an email. Um, just Let us know how you're praying for your husband month is going for you. We're really excited about the prayers that we've been putting out and the work that we've been doing. We've met some resistance, um, which only confirms in my heart that, you know, we're doing the right thing. So... Let us know where you're at, and if we can just come alongside you and lift you up, we'd love to hear from you on that as well. Absolutely. We, we really would. We want to encourage you, and it, um, if you don't know what we're talking about, over on the blog, surviveyourself.com, our March monthly challenge was um, praying scripture over our spouses. So March is almost over, but you can go in there and just start and pray over your spouse for 31 days and see what a difference it can make in your life. Um we look forward to hearing how that is working for y'all. We're excited about our April monthly mission. We think it's going to be a good one. And I have no idea what our next podcast is going to be about. I don't think we've planned that one out yet. However, we have some some things in, on the back burner that we are discussing. So whichever one it is, we welcome you to come join us in our space and enjoy the time that we spend with you in our Surviving Yourself community. We look forward to seeing you next time on our next episode of Surviving Yourself.